This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. It's a great preparation for this text, great preparation for the Lord's Supper in a few minutes. Open your Bibles to uh, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we are in the midst of a series called Upper Room, and we are looking at John 13 through 17 as Jesus just pours out himself uh, to his disciples the night before he goes to the cross and where he pours out his blood. And so we're talking today about identifying spiritual fruitfulness. We talked last week about, we saw where Jesus uses this metaphor of the vine and the branches. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. It's by staying connected to Jesus, by abiding in the vine, that we produce fruit. And so today we're talking about identifying that fruit, identifying spiritual fruitfulness. Let's look beginning at verse 7, and we're going to walk through verse 17 today. Follow along in your copy of God's Word. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the intimate setting of the upper room as Jesus pours out this incredible teaching to his disciples. And Lord, as disciples in the 21st century, we know that these words are for us and that you have brought us into friendship with you and that you, you share with us the, the dreams, the hopes, the plans that are shared from friend to friend. And so we, we pray that you would take your word today. Give us open minds right now. Give us open hearts. We pray that you'd eliminate any distractions right now in our lives. That we wouldn't be worried about what's going to happen after the service or this week or 
um, anything that we came in here with, any burdens, Lord, right, right now, we just want to just give all that to you, and we pray that you would enable us to, to really center in and listen to you today through your words, your spirit speaks, and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Some of you have been to uh, Bangkok now, a good number of you, but you, you know that one of the things that you look forward to is the food there. It is amazing. Thai food in general is amazing and amazingly cheap on top of that. Um, but I think my favorite thing about the food in uh, Bangkok is the fruit. Wow, the fruit is amazing um, in Bangkok. And the, the kind of fruits that you get there, even the ones that you've had here, they just tend to be like a lot fresher there, but then there's fruit like that you never get to eat here. I was at a conference in Bangkok a few years ago and gone there to see uh, Martin Carey and, and also we had like an IMB gathering that was happening uh, in town. But so at this conference, you know, you walk out of the sessions and whereas if you did that here, like there'd be tables of candy or, you know, snacks or whatever. Um, in Bangkok, you walked out of the sessions and the tables were filled with fruit. Um, and it was amazing. And there were fruits I had never seen before, but they were wonderful. I just couldn't get enough of them. And I found myself uh, whipping my phone out of my pocket to take pictures of the fruit that I was eating because it was so good. And I wanted to go back. And later on that night, I could go back and look at the picture again and figure out what it was that I was eating that was so incredibly wonderful. I could identify the fruit that I was eating. Well, today, Jesus is talking about identifying the best fruit. That's the fruit that comes through our lives when we are connected to Jesus. So last week in verses 1 through 8, we, we saw this metaphor of the vine and the branches. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he says, if you abide in me, if you're connected to me, you will produce much fruit. And so today what we're seeing is that, what that fruit is, identifying that fruit. And the first one is answered prayer. Answered prayer prayer, which we see in verses 7 and 8. Now, we touched on verses 7 and 8 last week, but I want to go back there again today because answered prayer is part of the fruit that comes when, when, when we as the branches are connected intimately to the vine, Christ. Verses 7 and 8. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So last week we saw where this is a relationship that we have with Christ. Intimate relationship. That we are connected to him relationships are, are nourished by connection. And connection is nourished through communication, right? So prayer is how we communicate with God, and he communicates with us, and he communicates to us through his word. And also we talked about the fact that abiding in Christ is about dependence, Continual dependence upon the Lord, getting ourselves away from 
self-reliance, which we constantly default to because of our sin nature, and, and, and unlearning that ingrained pattern so that we are continually relying on the Lord. Well, we can't do that apart from prayer. Constant prayer, right? So uh, Romans 12 and verse 12 says, be constant in prayer. First Thessalonians 5, 17 says to pray constantly, pray without ceasing. What does, it, what does that look like? I love what Matt Carter um, says about this. He says it looks like breathing. <laughs> you breathe without thinking because blood is pulsing through your veins. When the Holy Spirit is pulsing through you, you pray without thinking. You just talk to God. An email chimes. You mention it to God. Someone steps into your office. Mention it to God. You can't find your keys. Mention it to God. Prayer is as important to the soul as breathing is to the body. Now look again at verses 7 and 8 because like you see these stunning promises about answered prayer. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. A few practical things about answered prayer. And you may want to jot these down if you're, if you're taking notes. Okay, first of all, pray specifically. Pray specifically. We're seeing here in verse 7 a promise about answered prayer. But how do you know if God has answered prayer if your prayers are vague? We can pray so vaguely sometimes that how will we even know if God has answered prayer? So pray specifically so that when God answers you, you will know. And then write down your specific prayer request in your journal, wherever you keep, write it down because if we don't write it down, very difficult to keep track of things. Very difficult to know what we've prayed for. It's very difficult to keep track. I mean, I know with me, like I'm praying for so many people, I'm praying for so many of you. You've given me prayer requests to pray for. Uh, others of you, I just know you have needs that I'm, I'm, I'm praying for. There are people all around the world, Daniel and so many other workers around the world, needs around the world that I'm aware of, that you're aware of. But how do we keep track of all these things in our minds without putting them down? I, we, I, it's, 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 I can't do that. <laughs> like, if, if they're written down, then first of all, you, the, the, the very action of writing down helps to clarify the prayer request. Like, we're less likely to be vague if we write something down. Also, when you write it down, it gives you something to celebrate. When you, you know when God has answered prayer, and you can go back to that very request that you wrote down and celebrate what God has done. And then you can just, just logistically, you can keep track. Because there's so many brothers and sisters that we should be praying for. Um, but if we, you know, if we just, if we don't, keep track of those things, we can just kind of, it just gets lost in the shuffle. So I encourage you to write down, write down the prayers that you're praying for different people in our community, around the world, or whatever, and you can celebrate uh, when God answers, and he is, he is delighted to answer. Like, this is an outrageously generous father that we have. 
who loves to answer. Matthew 7, in verses 7 and following, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He delights in answering prayer. And that is part of the fruit that comes through our lives when we're connected to Jesus. A second fruit is love-fueled obedience. Love-fueled obedience. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now, think about this. Think about verse 9. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Jesus loves you with the same kind of love with which the Father loves him. And if you are in Christ, the Father loves you the way that he loves Christ because you are in Christ. United to him. And so he's loving you the way that he loves his son because you are in the son and he's doing that through the spirit. If we... If we were to get the love of this triune God that just pervades our lives as believers, like it would change our lives. The junk that we worry about and all that. Listen, if we understood just a little of how much we are loved by this amazing God. And see, it's this love that fuels obedience. Jesus talks about obeying his commands, right? He links that to love. We love because he first loved us. It's when we're blown away by the love of Christ, the response of our hearts is that we love him, and if we love him, we want to obey him. That's what produces obedience. It's love. Fear won't do it. Guilt tripping won't do it. Legalism won't do it. It's love that does that. And by the way, what do these verses tell us about the nature of God? You look at verses like verse 9 and 10. Love has been flowing between the three persons of the Trinity throughout all eternity. In, in Islam, for instance, it is not this way. Allah is a solitary God. In fact, with written, written in mosques are the words, God has no son. But what if God has a son and that lo the love has been flowing throughout all eternity between Father, Son, and Spirit? What does that tell us about the nature of God? Michael Reeves says this in his great little book, Delighting and the Trinity. Here is a God who is not essentially lonely, but who has been loving for all eternity as the Father has loved the Son in the Spirit. Loving others is not a strange or novel thing for this God at all. It is at the root of who he is. 
The third fruit that we see here is complete joy. Complete joy. Verse 11, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Now joy is just such a theme in John as a whole, but in the upper room, the word joy is used seven times in these chapters. And Jesus says that it is complete joy. That means filled to the brim and overflowing joy. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says rejoice always. Philippians 4.4 tells us how we can rejoice always because it's in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. We can rejoice always because our our joy is in the Lord. I love again what Matt, Matt Carter says about this. He says, joy is not a transaction. Jesus doesn't send a box of joy to be delivered to your doorstep by FedEx. Joy is a relationship. Jesus invites us to his party where we can feast and make merry with him. His joy becomes our joy. He brings us into his joy, and as a result, our joy is filled up to the brim. Jesus takes his big gulp of joy and places our little Dixie cup right inside. We are not only full of joy, but we are engulfed by joy. Does Jesus have enough joy to weather your circumstances? His storehouse of joy is infinite. His resources are immeasurable. His joy gauge never reaches empty. So if his joy becomes your joy, then your joy can always be full. This does not mean that life is always going to be easy. It means that Jesus is always enough. We're going to see at the end of chapter 16 where Jesus says, In this world, you will suffer tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. He's always enough. And he is glorified when we find our joy in him. When we're not looking for our joy anymore through circumstances or through the things of this world, but when we are finding our joy in Christ, that brings glory to God. I love what John Piper says about this. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Fourth, the fourth fruit that we see here is sacrificial love. Sacrificial love, verses 12 through 17. Jesus says, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you. Love one another. And that love is seen in self-denying sacrificial love. Verses 12 and 13 again. Jesus says, this is my command. Love one another. How? As I have loved you, no one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. When we hear about love in our culture, so often, you know, it's about romantic love or erotic love. But the greatest love is neither romantic or erotic. The greatest love is agape. 
self-denying, sacrificial love when you give up something for the good of others, even if that means giving up your life. Nine months after SEAL Team 6 took out Osama bin Laden, they completed another dramatic and secret mission. And that was rescuing Jessica Buchanan. Jessica was an American aid worker in Somalia, kidnapped by Somali pirates. Two dozen SEALs parachuted into southern Somalia. They killed all nine heavily armed kidnappers and liberated Jessica as well as a second aid worker. And here are Jessica's own words about that day. At one point, this group of men who've risked their lives for me already asked me to lie down on the ground. Because they are concerned, there might be more armed terrorists out there. They make a circle around me, and then they lie on top of me to protect me. And we lie like that until the helicopters come in. To the world, it was extraordinary. To the Navy SEALs, it was another day's work. It's what they do because it is who they have become. Self-denying, sacrificial love. And, and notice, notice the words here about friendship. I'm blown away by these words about friendship in verse 15. Jesus says, I, did, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You see, especially in the first century culture, like a master was not going to convey hopes and dreams and intimate thoughts to a servant or a slave. That's something that friends do. Friends talk about dreams. Friends share their plans. Friends take you into their lives and Jesus says, I'm calling you friends. I love what Dane Orland says about this in his great new book, Deeper. What does a friend do? A friend draws near in time of need. A friend delights to come into solidarity with us, bearing our burdens. A friend listens. A friend is available to us, never too high or important to give us time. A friend shares his deepest heart. Is that not what Jesus is doing in the upper room? Is that not what he's doing? He is sharing his deepest heart with us. He's the greatest friend. We need friends. We need, we need human friends. We need close human friends. But human beings are, human, human friends are fallible. <laughs> Proverbs says there's a, there's a friend who sticks even closer than a brother. Jesus is the greatest friend. Do you have such a friend? Do you know him? You can know him. You're invited to know him. Jesus invites you to know him. Turn to him. Turn from trying to do life without him. And turn to the one who has demonstrated his love for you by laying down his life on the cross, and who rose from the dead, who reigns as king and is returning as king. And you can know him, not just as your king, but as your savior and friend. Turn to him.
trust him today. Let's pray together. As we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, we're reminded of the one who who showed the greatest love by laying down his life for us. Lord, we pray for you to work right now as we celebrate this ordinance of our faith that you commanded us to to celebrate. Lord, um, may you during this time bring home to us in a deeper, fresher way the reality of your love and what you have done for us through your broken body and through your shed blood. Lord, would you draw us nearer to you? Lord, would you draw someone who's here or someone who's watching to you to know you that life can begin afresh and anew? I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia.